Welcome to Conversations with Pussy. This is a podcast which holds liberating and empowering conversations about sexuality, pleasure and healing. We're focused on supporting all vagina owners to feel free and excited about having a loving and soulful relationship with their pussy. I'm your host, Grace Hazel. Welcome to this episode of Conversations with Pussy. In this episode, I am speaking to Catherine Rollins, who is a psychosomatic guide. Catherine guides online programs such as Queer and Clear, which, whether you are gay, straight, bi, pan, queer, trans, asexual, or curious, is a group that can help you feel more connected to the truth of who you are in each moment. Catherine also runs Secure and In Love, which is a course which supports you within transforming attachment styles so you can become secure and in love. Now, I have to admit that the intention for this conversation was to talk about attachment styles. However, Catherine and I got a little bit carried away and instead we ended up having a conversation about being in the church whilst navigating realising that they were gay falling in love with a woman, coming out and having sex with a woman, Catherine's experience exploring gender fluidity, and of course, listening to the wisdom of your body. I hope that you enjoy this episode. And one last thing to say is that the noise on this episode is slightly dodgy because Catherine is based in wonderful Bali. So you will hear dogs barking and mopeds going by. That is just the nature of Bali. I hope that this doesn't affect the way that you listen to this podcast and that you enjoy. So please do sit back, relax, do your thing, maybe get a cup of tea and take the space to really soak up Catherine's wisdom. Catherine, hello, hello, hello. It is such a delight to have you on series two of mm. Conversations with Pussy, coming from the lands of Bali as well. So it's not just you that is a delight, it's also Bali that's coming in. So welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to represent. <laughs> I want to give the listeners a little bit of a idea of how you and I know one another. And I was having this conversation with my housemate this morning here in Ibiza and she said, oh, who are you, who are you interviewing for, for your podcast today? And I was like, oh, it's, um, it's Catherine. And I explained what you do and I'm going to get you to do that because you're going to do it better than me. And I was like, how do I? Oh, okay. I know you're from <laughs> ISTA. We met first time in ISTA. And I reflected yeah. back to, I guess it was a year, year and a half, maybe even two years ago, that mm. we were in ISTA level two. And I was thinking, what a way to meet someone. 
<laughs> it really is. The people that I've met through ISTA, there's like a bond like no other, just because of these, the experiences you've shared and the intimacies that you've <laughs> shared with each other. And they're just moments with you that I will never forget. Um, I don't know if everyone needs to know about them, but just let's say they were intimate. I got to know Grace very well and we've been friends ever since. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I have, as you say, the intimate moments. I get all of these hilarious flashbacks that one could potentially only digest if they had been in an Ista container. And um, You would need to know the context, everyone. <laughs> exactly. Context is very necessarily necessary when you're explaining these things. So just to let everyone know, Catherine and I go back and we've um, explored some interesting moments and it's a joy to have been with you a couple of years ago also in Bali together and to have witnessed your work and what you do evolve so much so I would love to now get you firstly to introduce yourself and um what your name is, full name, how to identify and um, what your pronouns are. Yeah, so hello everyone. My name is Catherine Rollins. Um, I consider myself gender fluid. Right now in this moment, feeling she, her vibes, I think it's Bali in part, but sometimes I go by they, them. Very occasionally I'll be feeling more like a he, him, and I've just allowed myself to totally embrace that fluidity in my life as it feels authentic to me. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I'm excited to open up some dialogue about your, your experience and journey in becoming more fluid in your gender, because it's mm -hmm. been so inspiring for me to witness from afar. Because when I knew you in Bali and Ista, you were she, her. And yeah. so I'm so excited to open up that conversation if it feels comfortable. But first, let's talk about what it is that you do. So what is it that you do for work? So I call myself an embodied trauma release guide. I also work with people on their relationships, primarily focused on themselves and loving themselves and um, I also work with attachment style so cultivating secure attachment style firstly within the self and then externally within people's lives um, I run a business called secure and in love which is really all about that it's centered around relationships feeling secure and in love who doesn't want that um, I work with a lot of people who struggle with anxiety insecurity being highly sensitive and there's also a whole stream of my work that is still developing, um, but it's been inspired my, by my own journey and those um, around me called Queer and Clear. And at the moment, that's taking the form of a podcast that I do and then also an online course. But I can see that is evolving a lot at the moment. Thank you. And I want to say with Secure and In Love, initially, how needed I feel like the the specificness of where you've got to with that and what I usually do before I chat to someone on conversations with pussy is I pop out a uh, question or a question box for people to ask questions um, to you mm. and folks were like attachment styles talk about attachment styles yeah because 
And I don't know how much folks know about attachment styles who are listening right now. And so again, this is another thing that I'm super excited to have a conversation about. But for me, I discovered attachment styles around three or four years ago, and it grandly explained a lot. It explained mm. why I do the things the way that I do and how I do the things that I do in relationships. And it supported me to really create a narrative around that that was empowering rather than me just thinking like, I am off my head in relationships. Why do I do this? <laughs> and mm. I'm just really grateful that you do this work because it's empowering. It's empowering when we can go, oh, other people do this in a relationship and here are some tools that are going to support me from going from anxious and insecure in my relationships and to come into a place of balance and security in yourself, mm. but also with the person or people that you're relating with. So thank you. You're, you're welcome. No, it's been a really um, rewarding uh, line of work to take up because I've been able to see I mean, I took myself through this journey first and then I developed methods that could support others. And the changes that I see in people is, it's remarkable. And every time I'm just so deeply moved um, by people's transformation and them being like, wow, I just feel so secure. I've never felt this secure before. And it just, yeah, it still blows my mind. Mm, yes. And let's get into that in a hot minute. Because mm -hmm. even as you were saying that, I was like, oh my God, drooling, yes being secure <laughs> everyone wants to feel secure why wouldn't they exactly exactly yeah. but first we're on conversations with pussy yes. and whilst the the narrative of conversations with pussy has taken a turn for series two <laughs> i do like to bring it back to the queen you know so i would like to ask what mm. name do you call your genitals i call my genitals pussy as well yeah. Good. And if you were to reflect back, Catherine, and mm. yeah, tune into the, the biggest thing that you and your pussy have mm. been through together, what would that be? So when I was 20, I want to say 25, so six years ago, um, I had sex with a woman for the first time. And that was mind-blowing because I had been uh, only having sex with men for some years prior to that I was in the church for many years so I was very sexually repressed and then I met this woman we fell in love we had sex with each other and we'd never had sex with a woman before either of us and I think at that moment my pussy was just like is this this is what it's what is this possible and I think ever since then um yeah it's just continued to be a mind-blowing experience to have sex with women <laughs> and firstly I didn't know that you you came from a quite church heavy mm. background that's really yeah. new news for me and I'm kind of excited because I'm like wow okay so knowing you as you are now mm. I, I would, would never have put that into a, into a context. So can you speak a little bit about your experience? So in a way, coming into that place where you had sex with a woman first, but what was going on for you prior to that? How were you um, showing up sexually in your life? 
um, yeah, let's just open up with that question. What was sure. going on, including the church piece? Well, I, I didn't really grow up Christian. My parents weren't um, necessarily church going. My dad's parents were very Catholic. So we sort of, we dabbled, but my dad was actually very, like he was into Buddhism. He was rebellious. He didn't want to be part of the church. But then my parents sent me and my sisters to a Baptist high school. And through that, I got involved with the youth group and became really involved. And ironically, I think it was partly because I had a crush on a girl who was in the church. <laughs> and then the next thing I know, I'm like becoming indoctrinated with beliefs like masturbation is wrong. You have to marry a man. Don't have sex before marriage. Homosexuality is wrong. Like everything. And I went through a very deep, what felt like a very deep twisted time through my teens. Um, and I was like head over heels for this girl the whole time, like from like 13 through till she got married when I was 17. <laughs> and I was devastated. And then I, I, I guess I, I met a man at that point and I just kind of ran with it because I had been like, not to say my feelings for men haven't been authentic, but prior to that, I'd just not really been interested in boys. And I was kind of feigning like a lot of interest because I, I guess um, I felt like that was the thing to do. Like that was what was considered normal. And so I was just kind of like, yeah, looking back, I was, I was just sort of playing, <laughs> trying to appear a certain way and also seeing if it did anything, but I didn't really know any different. Anyway, so then um, I stayed uh, in church up until I was 20, 21. And around that time I was at university. I went to get some counseling through the university, which I'm eternally grateful for. That's when I first learned about attachment theory as well. And um, yeah, through that process of getting counseling, I basically coached myself into getting a boyfriend. <laughs> I had like a checklist things that I needed and I just went out and I got a boyfriend beautiful man who I forever love and you know um am grateful for but I went out very considered I was like okay here's what we need to do this is what we're doing and so he and I got together and um I kind of I guess I'd had crushes on boys before that but it'd been very destructive um and then yeah he and I were together for five six years and to be honest, I don't know if I should say this, but here we are. Um, the sex with him was kind of um, like not that great, but I didn't know that because I, you know, never had any different kind of experience on or very little. And so I just didn't really, I didn't know any different. I just thought that was how it was. And, and then um, towards the end of 2015, I went and did um, this tantric embodiment course that I heard about through a friend of a friend. Um, looking back, my friend was pointing out to me the other day, she was like, babe, do you think it was hearing about the naked women all in a room that made you go? And I was like, not consciously, but I think maybe that was maybe one of the driving forces that I was not aware of at the time. Because <laughs> it was this very like, I've never experienced anything like it. It's a bit like Easter, I suppose, but all, all women and embodying these erotic archetypes through dance and um it blew my mind it was the first time anyone had ever said to me like look inside your body for wisdom I was like 
what? <laughs> mm. And um, yeah, so, but at this point I already knew my friend who um, I was in love with, but totally just like, I was just hiding it from myself. It was a very complicated um, mental. Can we just stop for a second? Because yes. It really, this, this kind of, this lights me up, but also it, I, I feel mm. like I want to just pull these two bits out for, for good reason. So we had the, the, the girl that was in church that you crushed on from 13 to 17 when she got married. Yeah. And then we have this other person who this woman who you had a crush on and you were able to kind of disattach yourself from that moment too and mm. the reason I stop you with that is because I think that so much because the narrative that we receive growing up is so heteronormative and especially of course you know being in a church that's even more cisnormative heteronormative we get we, we we're brought up with that mm. and so naturally uh, and I had it as I was growing up you you form crushes or attractions to the opposite sex and there's mm -hmm. something in there that that perhaps stops us from really acting upon that or we can um, and I know a lot of people that I've worked with can can create a story around it which stops us from actually going for the thing that we really feel deep within us like that love that crush that I really find you attractive um, so what do you feel is the is the piece that you can almost like take yourself out and dis not disassociate but take yourself out of something that you would pursue or someone that you pursue or someone you can just go, Oh, I really love you deep inside, but I won't say anything. What happens there? Mm. I think social pressure is a huge part of it. And, and I think especially when you're a teenager, the fear of being cast out is even more like it's amplified being a teen, being an adolescent, it's so, there's so much judgment and so many people exploring different things. And I just, before I could even understand, actually one of the key moments that just forever will be lodged in my memory was I had met this girl, this girl I had a crush on for my whole teenage existence. And um, she'd been one of the, I think she was like the leader at this camp we went on for school and I was with my friend in the same group and we're all in this group with her as the like, leader of the group and um and that was really the moment where I was just like oh my god this person with no idea that that's you know anyway no idea what that meant or anything and then I was just talking to my friend at school maybe a few days later being like oh I want to buy her a gift I want to get her like flowers blah 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 just naturally like coming out of me in this really beautiful way and my friend just went to me what are you like obsessed with her or something and I just went, <gasps> and in that moment, I just like, I, my mind was just like, bad, wrong, not meant to do, hide. And, and I guess within also the context of my school and all the Christian conditioning around me, I must have just also picked up on cues that were like, you know, press that down. Um, so I think, yeah, it's conditioning it's, and, uh, and social pressure. And the fear of being cast out, which I'd say is the main reason that people um, are afraid to come out as, as anything except straight. Um, and in some places in the world, I mean, it's still, you know, you could be killed for being gay or queer. So I think that all runs really deep within us as well on a kind of epigenetic level, that fear of being killed or um, abandoned by the tribe. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I fully agree with you. And I won't, I'm not going to open up to my story because I think that yours is really important to, to shine light on right now, but I can completely resonate with that and um, feel into the ways in which I would suppress my attraction for women and also just other desires down for fear of being judged and pushed out of what was then school popular Mm. groups and if you were pushed out of that group it was like it it was almost like death and we really go into that don't we that feeling that if we're pushed out of the air quote tribe then what happens to us back 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 in the day that would actually mean death so we really have that primarily woven Mm. into the fabric of our beings so it's a really big thing so coming into this, this experience that you had, that you're the biggest experience you and your genitals had. So it was the first time that you were intimate and that you had sex with a woman. Mm-hmm. What was your path from there? Because that feels like a real moment of actually coming out and going, oh my goodness, this is, this is me. This is where I'm at. What happened from there? Well, it was a, it's a, it was a bit of a complicated situation. I had, um, there was a lot going on at that time. Basically in in 2016, when this all went down, I had found out that my dad was dying of prostate cancer, which was a bit of a catalyst to be honest. And, and ironically, or or interestingly, just before that, I'd had this experience of doing this tantric embodiment, this erotic embodiment and connecting with myself in this whole new way. And through that, I'd, I'd really clocked. I was like, Oh, I am in love with her. I just never, I hadn't, allowed myself to acknowledge that and then um yeah I ended up we ended up professing our love to each other I ended up leaving my boyfriend at the time and she stayed with her boyfriend and initially he was supportive and then it just over time it got too complicated and you know they stayed together and we became friends we took some space became friends and then after that I I went on a bit of an exploration I still didn't see myself as being gay I thought I was bisexual and maybe that's true. I think at this stage in my life, I feel like I prefer being with women and I'm much more in, I I find myself often more in love with women. So that's, you know, been, been pretty consistent for a little while, but um, yeah, after that, I just experimented a lot. I played with open relating, I had a threesome. I like just went and did all these things and met all these different people but this consistent thing of like falling in love with women and these women that I'd have these really intense, like obsessive kind of relationships with kept coming up. And it wasn't until um, earlier this year, I was like, what time in the year is this? Earlier this year during COVID, um, I had this experience of realizing that, that there was this part of me that just wanted to say like, I am gay, I'm gay. And I was like, why is that important if we're happy to have sex with women? But what was shown to me um, through this work that I do with my, with my body and working with my natural desires through the body was this still ever present kind of gay shame that I was still carrying around, even though I'd had sex with women, even though I'd had girlfriends, they'd always kind of had this tone of like secrecy or like, or maybe the the woman I was in love with had a boyfriend or had someone else that they were interested in, or there was always this kind of thing of me feeling like, Oh, this isn't allowed and this isn't okay. 
and I was just seeing that reflected back to me over and over and over again. And so this year, one of the biggest things and the reason why I created Queer and Clear was because I, I started to dig into this conditioning and this fear and the shame and all the guilt and all the, just there was so much of it. And through that, I was able to fully come into um, my own self-acceptance around my sexuality, started just saying I'm gay. That's when the gender fluidity came up as well. And just this whole fascinating thing that literally just came up out of my body. And I was like, well, who am I to ignore this? It's just, it's rising up through me. And I chose to embrace it and I chose to stick with it because also I feel like I'm someone who doesn't mind or even enjoys being at the forefront going, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing. And I know that not everyone has that kind of, um, yeah, doesn't have that kind of platform, doesn't have that sort of desire to be so public. And I know that from my own experience that hearing voices like mine, is so helpful and experiences like mine is so helpful and supportive, especially in a culture that is predominantly heteronormative, as you said, and cis-normative as well. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm dating women and it's great. <laughs> and it's a lot healthier than it's ever been, thank goodness. And the thing that I really just got me going and I could feel it was actually doing some sort of reflection of, of, um, in, in my body, was what you were saying around you your work is is deeply integrated in li listening to the wisdom of your body and so you mentioned that earlier when you went on the tantric erotic embodiment um course that actually that was the first time that you were guided to listen to the wisdom of your body and that was an eye opener or a mind or a body opener should we say mm. and what came up for me is you described that actually when you were having sex with women, when you were actively saying, yeah, I'm gay, there was still something that was there that needed to shift. And you could mm. sense that that was happening within your body. And from listening to like, let's say the niggle that was, was going on, the somatic niggling or the somatic resistance or whatever it was showing up for as, that a massive door has opened since being with that niggle that's, mm. um, actually expanded you into a whole new consciousness of who you are as being and what I would like to just say is that since witnessing you and I, I don't know I don't know the time frame of it but there's been something in the witnessing of you more recently and I know the way that you do share from the moment that I've known you, I remember you sharing on Easter and it was just like poetry just going from your mouth when <laughs> you spoke. But the way that you do share is very open and it, it, it holds this sense of consistent growth, consistent learning, consistent growth, which I find refreshing because it's, it almost gives us all this permission of being like, this is a work in progress. We are all works in progress. And it's like seeing how your brand, if we talk about it in a business sense, but actually you are your brands and you, you're, you're consistently evolving. And most recently, there's been something that I have felt perhaps mm. in my body as I feel your words. It's hilarious on Facebook. I go, <laughs> I don't use Facebook to post at all. It's not my, it's not my tool, but I know that you do. All my safe posts are from you. 
I'm like, <laughs> feeling that. <laughs> and it's just been so like this thing of like, I really mm. want to remember that and come back to it because what you're saying feels very, it's like, mm -hmm. I feel it so much. And especially since this moment, and I don't know when it happened for you of, oh, this is my new identity and this is what I'm rolling with. It's been like this breath of fresh air that I'm like, I am all on board for you and always have mm -hmm. been, but more so right now. I'm like, this is, this is teaching me a lot. Yeah. So thank you, first of all. <laughs> thank you. That's very sweet of you to say. Oh, well, it's pretty. And the second <laughs> bit is to ask with the, mm. the gender fluidity mm. um, and, and what's been moving you for you more lately, I'd love to open up a conversation about that and yeah, ask, cause I don't know yet mm. to ask what your process was in landing with that realization for you and how it's been evolving. Yeah, it really came out of left field. I was not, anticipating it at all i think if anything i had and this is interesting to notice in retrospect i had such an aversion in some ways like a subtle aversion to lesbians and uh like gender fluid people <laughs> which i think is a it just says a lot about you know it's interesting i think we, we resist sometimes the things that we most resonate with that we are in some kind of subconscious disapproval of for whatever yes yeah. So, um, yeah, it was not, you know, I was doing feminine work. I was embodying feminine archetypes. I was all over the internet with my long hair and my, you know, flowing dresses and so feminine. <laughs> and then, actually, the, the end of last year, um, me and my friend shaved our heads for our 30th birthdays. And I think that maybe was the beginning of this un folding or this unfurling of identity and then so that kind of I mean just having short hair was a huge shift I'd had this long you know you, that when you knew me it was like long curly or like wavy hair super femme and then this whole thing of lockdown happened I started working with this new coach um, called Perry Chase who is also interestingly like focused on the feminine but she more so focuses on the truth thing is truth through the body and I was drawn to her because of that I was like I want the truth like that's such a high value of mine it's something I love and I'm drawn to and I want to be the most authentic version of myself that I can you know so I went in and I was just like Perry teach me how to be truthful anyway so I started working with her and very quickly this whole like gay admission kind of came up and I remember feeling it it was like energy that just came up the left side of my body and then I was like it was just giving me the words to say. And I was like, I'm gay, <laughs> but it felt so true. And so I was like, okay, I'm rolling with it. And Perry's like, just stay with the truth of the situation. I'm like, okay. And then within, I'd say like a few days of this moment of like gayness coming through, I've been dating a man just prior to this, by the way, but I was like, okay. And then um, it was a palpable shift. People around me were like, you feel different. I was like, I do. They're like, we can feel you more. So it was, it was something. And then very quickly again, it was like, I started to feel super masculine and I was like, weird. And I was uh, living with a friend of mine at the time and, and she was like, yeah, you feel kind of boyish. I'm like, I feel boyish. 
so then I just started playing and she and I are really close and she just gave me this kind of beautiful permission space to play with pronouns, to play with how I was dressing, to experiment and it just naturally evolved. And then I was sort of in this space of like, I was like, I have to pick one, I have to pick some pronouns. I was like, am I a they, them? Am I she, her? I was just like looking at the spectrum of my mind, left to right. I was like, I don't know. And then if I was honest in that moment at that time, I was like, I feel more like a he, him. And, but that's absurd. Like not to bag on anyone who, you know, goes by those pronouns, but I was just in my own world. I was like, wow, that feels like a leap. Like I do a lot of, you know, I do a lot of out there things, but I was like, whoosh, that's a big leap for everyone in my world. And um, so I didn't fully go there, but if, like at the time I was like, yeah, I feel like a he, him. And that just felt the truest thing. And I was like, I'm with the truth. This feels like the truest thing. I'm going to roll with it. So I was just playing with it within my very immediate circle of people, like people I felt comfortable with, people I could trust and also leaving heaps of space for just any other ways that people wanted to refer to me. But with my like closest group of friends, they were, they would, I was like, just, go with what you feel and they would intuit it in the moment. And then I was like, I don't have to abide by any rules. I'm just going to be gender fluid because that feels truest. And so I just went with that. Actually, it was because I went on this app. I don't know if you know it. It's called Field. Love it. We've got it in the UK. You have it? Yeah. Yeah. So I downloaded it on a whim. I'd been on there in the past to like hook up some threesomes and things like that. Mm-hmm. And on there, they give you this full, like you're signing up, you're making a profile. It's like, for those who don't know it, it's like Tinder, but for more kind of alternative or like, um, you know, if you want to have a threesome, if you're want to do bondage stuff, you can find people who are a bit more into that kind of thing. And on there, they gave you this positive space, right? And it it is, I feel like in the sex positivity, then they're open to talking about gender more, what your sexual preferences are more. And on the profile, it's very, for me in the UK, what I have, witnessed is that people will literally list their sexual preferences and the way that they like to show up in sex and in their relationships mm-hmm. so there's no sugar coating there's no hiding behind I like hiking so I don't know why I just went American with that. I like hiking <laughs> and yoga it's like I'm a sub and I like this that it, it, it just feels very like an empowered place to say this is what I want yes so there you go back to you yeah so that's that's the scene and i've dabbled over the years and and you're right like it's such a if you want to experiment with being yourself i'm doing air quotes um that kind of like kink scene that sort of thing is great because it is so much about communication and you know just being true with what you're desiring in the moment and knowing how to articulate that to someone so i went on this field app and i was filling out my profile again and i was scrolling through the gender option and instead of just being you know male female other it was like male female (laughs) gender queer gender fluid non-binary androgynous i was like whoa (laughs) so many options i'm like scrolling down and i'm like well i mean they're asking me to choose like let's see what feels truest and I just found one that was like gender fluid and I was like that feels right because every day it's slightly different (laughs) and also I don't want to be a she her right now so I've got to choose something besides that um so I just ran with it and then I don't even know what happened I think I just put it on my Instagram profile (laughs) which is how I tend to do things it's just like look 
it goes from like immediate circle of friends to let's just put it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that though, it's like I'll have an internal revelation. I'll be like, my Instagram bio doesn't represent me anymore. I must change it. <laughs> so true. You're like, who is this person? <laughs> Instagram must change. I'm going to archive all these photos of myself that make no sense anymore. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> incredible fun. incredible yeah. and so from field it was like that moment of being like actually a little bit like the instagram profile moment that you actually mm -hmm. get to choose and there's something about choosing something that is written in front of you that can feel actually more grounding in your experience in the perhaps just thinking it or writing about it or or talking to close friends about it there's something that has more substance to it that way totally i think permission is huge and and you can say to people like yeah give yourself permission and some people you know have a i would say like a more natural inclination towards giving themselves permission like i know some very out there people and they're just i don't know no one gave them permission they just fucking went for it <laughs> but um i think for a lot of us probably because of this whole thing of fearing being kicked out of the tribe it helps so much to have a representation of something that you really feel connected to or drawn to that maybe no one in your immediate circle represents and then to go like wow is that that's cool if i if i'm and so the internet in that sense i feel like has been a revelation for so many queer people of all you know kinds and for myself like that is partly what drives me to be as authentic as possible on the internet because i recognize and i get messages all the time from people just being like wow thank you so much for expressing this like i never had words for it or like i feel like i'm like this and i'm just like you go you like i just i love um yeah having that opportunity to grant permission to people when they need it and I want to say again, I feel like I'm just sat in a box of thank yous for you here, but I am really because there's something in me that's been coming up, um, especially over the last couple of years. And so what I've been noticing hilariously is that I'm now recording series two of this podcast and the podcast previously, the series one was so heavily feminine, feminine woman, this and that. And mm. what I want to say is that within the scenes that I roll in and I want to kind of, again, I'm, I'm air quoting all over the place, but it, it's like a, the spiritual scenes, the tantric scenes, the sexuality scenes, the relating scenes, what my eyes within those communities see a lot of is again, the cisnormative heteronormative ways of um, teaching. And yeah. I started to feel the niggle and the resistance around that um, a while back. And so for me, I've been heavily, well, not heavily, but I've been educating myself. I've been opening up my um, gaze to folks who are trans, non-binary, who don't define themselves in the way that we've been given these, these um, you know, heteronormative, cisnormative um, conditioning. And so for me, seeing what you're doing now feels really inspiring and actually like it's paving a new path for and holding a flame, let's say, for folks who are in those communities mm. to see that actually there is a new way and we can open up our language and definitions of things still held in these amazing traditions of what we've learned from, 
but we're we're opening this up to be more inclusive for other folks who who feel different things within them but don't have a space to express that yet mm, for sure yeah it's it's been interesting for me because i think a lot of the work that i've done like the spiritual work that i've done over the years has allowed me a certain a degree of um eat <laughs> it's a strong call identity -lessness. like I don't I can I can identify with something and know within myself because of the kind of transformational work that I've done over the years and the deconditioning and the de sort of um, like clearing of emotional charge around certain things um, it allows me a fluidity that I think is more difficult potentially for others and so when I I feel mostly pretty free to identify as whatever I feel is most true but I also know I have a deep embodied knowing that that's not who I am like it's 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 like a hat I get to put on and I, I have the right to choose that hat and I will wear the hat that I want to wear that I feel most aligned with but also I know that tomorrow my hat might change and I'm really okay with that that being said, there's definitely certain things that I still have my own kind of um, struggle or charge around, but it's like, it's an ever evolving thing. And I, I really just love expanding. And I think my sense from, from doing my own research and looking at people around me and working with people is that we are expanding like that. And so identity is morphing and I feel like people are becoming more fluid because we are, to put it simply, I feel that we are expanding as individuals, but also as a collective. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Here, mm here. -hmm. Hey, hey. I agree. Now, I'm aware that we're coming to time and um, there is this whole landscape of attachment styles, which is yes. just so delicious and juicy to talk about and so needed. So what I'm, I'm having this internal monologue of like, do we yeah, ask, ask the a questions. quick question? <laughs> Can we ask a quick question about attachment style? What I'm feeling right now is to, to touch on it, um, mm -hmm. but also to, uh, perhaps if you're into it and you don't, you can agree now and change your mind, darling, <laughs> but perhaps open another episode if you would be open to it about attachment styles, because that in itself needs 45 minutes to an hour rather than just, it's, it's kind of hilarious to think that we could cover gender identity, sexual <laughs> identity and attachment styles in one podcast episode. Yeah. I think today was about, gender and sexuality and then yeah let's do another one on attachment style because you're very right it takes an explanation and then some going into and people want to know what to do with it and that's definitely a full kind of episodes worth of content right there yes so let's let's say this this is v1 of Catherine <laughs> being on conversations with busy and I, i'd like to say just to the listeners it goes to show the wealth let's say of wisdom that you hold because i feel like we've just scratched the very surface we've been focused on your your experience and your story and it's almost like yeah we could just do v1 v2 v3 before mm, there's so, so much, much to talk about yeah you hold so a lot of wisdom about. so mm. let's say yeah let's talk about attachment styles on another moment we'll hold mm -hmm. that space and um 
for now and i feel like people are going to be hungry to be able to find you so i'll ask you about where we can find you in just a hot minute but before mm -hmm. that i'm going to ask the, the closing question which is if you could tell your younger self something about sex that you know now that you didn't know then what would that be mm. oh young me <laughs> Um, I would say to her, listen to your body. Yeah. Listen to the wisdom of your body and let her ponder that. <laughs> and it's okay to be gay. <laughs> the other part of that. <laughs> I love that. I almost, when you described that, that story about wanting to get that teacher or that, that, that woman, the girl, those flowers, oh. I'm like, Oh baby, Catherine, that's such a beautiful expression of your love. <laughs> I just think it's okay to be gay, honey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Bless, bless. That version of me is coming back in a really strong way these days. She's got full permission. It's flowers to all the beautiful girls. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Cool. And yeah, if anyone wants to find you, Mm -hmm. where do they find you particularly around what we've spoken about today if if folks are listening they're like oh my goodness what a mm -hmm. talked about permission what a permission slip to to start mm -hmm. feeling into their um sexuality and perhaps it's not as they once perceived it to be um mm -hmm. where can they find you and what what is it i know we've said what it is that you do but how okay. specifically can folks work with you yeah so my main platform is Instagram. So you can find me at Catherine.Rollins on Instagram, also securing in love or in all one word on Instagram. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Catherine Rollins. You can just follow me. I post pieces every now and then that come through. Um, if people want to work with me at the moment, I have a securing in love membership group. Uh, it's got a couple of tiers, like ways to work with me. Um, it's, it's one hub for, just all the foundational pieces that I teach, helping people to anchor into their security, expand into their love. And there's an online course version of that if you want to just, you know, run through it and build the foundational pieces. That's kind of more around the attachment stuff and secure relating and things like that. Um, and then also there's the Queer and Clear online course. And my feeling is, and just follow me on Instagram, you'll get all the info, but that's going to evolve into its own community membership portal um, for queer folks and people who are exploring their, their gender and their um, sexuality. Is that something that's, yeah, as I said, just it's evolving. I'm excited. I'm looking for a collaborator for that, actually, someone who can bring some energy to it. So um, they're, they're kind of the main things. There's also sessions available with um, other secure and love practitioners all kinds of sessions, including queer and clear sessions, security and love sessions. Um, but yeah, follow me, on it, follow me on Instagram and we'll hang out. <laughs> cool. And I'll put all of the links into the show notes so people can just click through, follow you. And um, I'm sure just like I do on Facebook with all of your posts, it's going to be a big old going through all of the posts, reading them and feeling super inspired. And yeah, thank you, Catherine, because I feel inspired. It's been so good to have you on. 
uh, early morning for me. I know it's late night or getting there for you in Bali, but for me, I'm like, right now I can get cracking into my day of work and really feel like this. Um, yeah, it feels like a mind expansion. I feel like I've really received so much within this chat and I know that everyone else will most likely, most definitely feel the same. So thank you for your time. Thanks, Grace. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Conversations with Pussy. If you enjoyed yourself listening to this, please do leave a rating and a review. It's my intention to get these messages and these conversations out to as big a community as possible. So share this along with your friends and family, share it on social media, and don't forget to tag me on Instagram on grace underscore 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 hazel. I look forward to catching up with you next time.